0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. As always, I am your host, practicing veterinarian and Veterinary News Network reporter, Dr. Roger Welton. A very good evening to you, ladies and gentlemen. I have a very cool treat for you this evening. We have an amazing topic, one of my favorite new topics in veterinary medicine, uh, and that is the topic of Veterinary Rehabilitation. We have a special guest coming on. That'll be Dr. Ashok Padmabanan. Um, he is a surgery resident uh, at the Animal Emergency and Critical Care Center in Brevard County, and he's been practicing um, veterinary rehabilitation for the past couple of years. We're going to get to him in just a moment. But uh, first, I want to tell you about our future story this evening. I have a, just an incredible story about um, a... Uh, a baby that was actually rescued, it was abandoned and rescued in the forest by a dog, right? This is just an amazing story of, you know, uh, it, dog being man's best friend. And, and I urge you, urge you, urge you to stick around for that because it's just nothing short of amazing. I mean, it's a bit of a d- disturbing story, but um, just just trust me when I tell you, stick around for it. It's something you really want to hear. But first, let's get to our guest this evening, Dr. Padma Bhattin, that graduated from LSU School of Veterinary Medicine in 2006. He then completed a one year rotating internship at the Louisiana Veterinary Referral Center in Mandeville, Louisiana. Completed an additional year of surgical internship at New York Veterinary Specialty Center in Farmingdale, New York. And is currently a surgical resident at the Animal Emergency and Critical Care Center of Bevard County in Melbourne, Florida. He's been a practitioner of the topic we are going to illuminate you on this evening veterinary rehabilitation for the past two years. So, Dr. Pepebonen, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Roger.
0: Thank you very much for joining us this evening. I appreciate you taking the time out of your what is probably a hideously busy schedule as a surgery resident to join us tonight and, and uh, tell us a little bit about veterinary rehabilitation.
1: Yeah, my, my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad glad uh, that you can uh, have me on uh, tonight.
0: Uh, excellent. I'm Very happy to have you because, you know, this is one of my favorite topics. Um, I did some course work at the uh, NAVC conference last year, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of getting introduced to this, and 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 what was really cool to me was it, it was introduced by surgeons. It wasn't like holistic practitioners. It wasn't you know witch which doctors of any kind. These were board certified surgeons talking about this, and I'm really happy to present this to my listeners tonight. So let, let's just uh, have you, you know, just start with the very basics here, because a lot of people don't really understand what the term rehabilitation means in the context of veterinary medicine. So obviously we're not talking about substance abuse rehab at the Betty Ford Center. So would you, no, not, be, not at all, so. <laughs> would you begin by explaining exactly what rehabilitation, rehabilitation is in a general veterinary sense?
1: Sure. Certainly. Uh, you know, I guess one of the things that your, your listeners, uh, you know, may hear uh, as pet owners from time to time is, is a, is a specific phrase. And, and that is, uh, Canine physical rehabilitation, and, and that, that's a phrase that's often thrown about um, when discussing uh, physical rehabilitation, because the, the largest um, sort of uh, uh, population that this is done on are, are dogs, um, and, yeah. and we'll get to, you know we'll get to that a little bit later on. But, but basically, sure. rehabilitation is really using various exercises and very specific uh, treatment modalities to help restore limb function improve limb function improve body function um to basically help these pets uh you know get over certain conditions or or diseases um you know primarily orthopedic and, and neurologic type issues are are the primary uh application you know for uh for rehabilitation and and I guess one thing that I should also cover is that um as as veterinarians, as veterinary practitioners, um, there, there's a distinction. Uh, we're not allowed to use the term physical therapy. That that is a term, <laughs> for, for legal reasons, yeah. that is a term you you know solely used for for human uh, use. And so we've Remarkable. come up with you know we've come up with the alternate term of physical rehabilitation. So just just a minor uh, point, but okay. uh, you know that I think maybe you and your listeners should be aware of.
0: Yeah, actually, I'd like, I'd like to illuminate this a little bit more. So we actually can't say physical uh, physical therapy. We can't use the word PT. Oh, can we get sued or something? Is there like a patent on that term by the medical, the human medical field? Like, what, what is the reason behind you
1: know, that? Basically, the way that I understand it is that in in many states, um, the the word physical therapy in, in the various practice acts, the uh, the the word human people things like that are specifically integrated into the into practice acts for physical therapy. So physical therapy mm-hmm. is, is really being used to refer to people. And, and so I, okay. I you know that that you know that that is my understanding of it. And I have not actually looked it up further, but there are certain specific legal um, reasons for this distinction being made. Sure. Um, you know and, and, and thus we're using the term physical rehabilitation.
0: Okay, well, I'll, I'll be sure to, to uh, you know, not say physical therapy. I've made that mistake before. I, I, I thank you for the advice. So uh, let, let's just go on to, um, you know, the specific types of health problems we're talking about here. So let's get into, like, more specifics. Why are we going to have, your you know, your your, your dog or your kitty, but we'll get the kitties a little bit later, but, you know, how, why are we going to have your dog come in for rehab? Well, you
1: know, the... Often, I think the 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 biggest application for um, physical rehabilitation and you know that an owner uh, might pursue this is with you know a number of, of orthopedic and, and, and neurological conditions, and, and probably the the condition that uh, most owners would be likely to encounter physical rehabilitation would be with cranial cruciate uh, ligament injury. And what is that exactly? Just- and so just uh, yeah, and exactly. Uh, I was just gonna spend a little bit of time on that particular condition. That's that's a condition of the knee uh, that that's very common, um, mm-hmm. and so it is. It is basically a, a tearing of one of the ligaments of the knee. And, and your listeners are probably familiar with the term ACL, uh, the anterior cruciate ligament, and and that mm-hmm. is an injury to people uh, most often uh, or, or occurring quite often in sports injuries, uh, and yeah. that. That ligament breaks, and and so the knee in people becomes unstable. Well, dogs, because they're they're horizontal rather than vertical, we call it the the CCL or cranial cruciate ligament. And so the, right. the similar injury happens in dogs that that ligament tears, the knee can become unstable, and most of the time surgery is, is usually uh, the 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 best uh, option for for a lot of patients to re- to help them get better. So okay. Physical or physical rehabilitation, excuse me, I just made the mistake myself. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> <physical> yeah, we, <laughs> I'm use, sorry, that's like pretty it, funny. Yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> use as an adjunct uh, to help those dogs, you know, get better and, and get over um, a CCL injury. Uh, you okay. know, at our, at our hospital, at Animal Emergency and, and Critical Care, uh, you know, we, we quite commonly are doing surgery on – uh, cranial cruciate ligament deficient knees and uh-huh. you fix it. we we do a surgery uh, once they're over the surgery once they've had their their skin sutures out we then will have those patients come back for physical rehabilitation to help restore muscle mass help uh-huh. uh, re, you know help improve function of the limb uh, help get these dogs stronger you know improve weight bearing you know basically do a lot of different things to help augment uh, what we've done at the, at the time of surgery, basically.
0: Sure. So it's like it's like when, you know, somebody goes for, in for an ACL surgery, you're a human, you're getting your ACL repaired, it's pretty much unheard of to get your ACL repaired and not have physical therapy afterwards. And I guess when you're, you know, doing a CCL on a dog, which is, you know, pretty good equivalent, basically physical rehabilitation would be the same type of process and, you know, with the same goal in mind. Would that be a correct assessment?
1: That, that 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 that's a, that's a that's a very a very similar parallel and and yes it it's it's you know just as in people that have had an injury or maybe have carpal tunnel syndrome or or some other um ailment like that that they then yeah. go uh therapy to help regain uh use of their hands or re- regain use of their feet or or whatever it may be the a, a very similar uh approach in dogs to help you know to sort of retrain them and get them used uh get them you know walking again, get them uh bearing more weight again uh, you know sure. basically very very similar very, very similar to what to what they're doing in people,
0: okay, so let's talk about you know uh, our individual modalities what are what are we talking about you know like last week or not last week but a, a few weeks ago we had a really nice talk with the doctor uh Jeff Christensen, who's a colleague of yours. And yeah. uh, you know he talked about stem cell therapy as a key component in rehabilitation. So you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would I would I would refer you to that show. And as you know, our shows are all a- archived, and, and definitely check that one out. But you know, that's just but one component of rehabilitation. So let's hire let's let, let's highlight you know the other types that that you specifically have experience with. And, sure. and let's say you know start with in re- with regard to say a, a, a CCL injury of the knee. You're now rehabbing this patient. What are we going to do?
1: Uh, can, I, can I back up for uh, for one second to your to your previous... Yes, sir. Uh, okay, just, to, you know, in addition, I just wanted to make clear that, you know, that, that a CCL injury is not the only sort of condition that no. uh, rehabilitation can be used for. Um, quite commonly, we use it for uh, FHOs um, in the post-operative period. And, so an FHO, in case your listeners are not aware, is, is a femoral head and neck ostectomy where basically we're, we're taking off a piece of the femur, the very... You know, sort of head or top of the femur uh to treat severe hip dysplasia and uh, and these DC are
0: dogs' formation that, of the
1: hip yeah right, and so these are dogs that have very bad hips. We take off the head yeah. of the femur to decrease and get rid of the pain well in the post operative period you know they they do need physical rehabilitation to help regain muscle mass sure. you know re, retrain them to walk without a a normal hip joint and and Retraining them to walk with more of a a soft tissue uh, or muscular type joint um, rather than the typical ball and socket. Uh, Another example we use rehabilitation for uh, radial ulnar fractures. uh, Just again, getting these dogs weight bearing, walking on the leg. Um, A certain amount of weight bearing helps actually bone to heal.
0: Right, Uh, of course.
1: You know, the more you know, controlled amount of weight being put on on a leg will allow a bone actually heal faster than it would if it were just completely non-weight-bearing. And then another sort of very large category that includes a lot of different conditions would be neurologic disease and things like intervertebral disc disease or or disc herniation um, where a dog might have a a disc, one of the individual discs that sort of act as little cushions between each of the individual backbones. Mm
0: -hmm. One
1: of those can rupture. um, Those dogs often need surgery. They're down often for days to weeks uh, at a time, and so getting those dogs into rehab to be able to use their legs so can hopefully minimize or prevent a a disuse atrophy where they basically will lose muscle mass and lose strength because they're not able to walk. Um, That's a very important uh, aspect of physical rehabilitation. And then also uh, dogs that just have a condition called degenerative myelopathy where Basically, it's a sort of degeneration of the spinal cord, and these dogs will over time, you know, basically lose, the, you know, the ability to walk or, or, or have trouble walking. And so we can use rehabilitation to try to minimize um, that per, that inevitable progression of the, of the disease by maintaining strength and, and trying to keep these dogs as fit as possible. So there's a whole wow. possible, real, real range of, of things that really physical rehabilitation could be applied to
0: sure that and that's fascinating um degenerative myelopathy uh th- th- that's a pretty nasty disease um you know there there's really no known you know cure for it of course that that I'm aware of anyway and uh yeah. after this show I would love to pick your brain on the impact of rehabilitation on those cases because that, those are that's a very tragic diagnosis and if i can help these patients in any way um slow the progression keep them walking for as long as possible i certainly want to get more information about that
1: oh, um, my God, I God. Think- I'd be more than happy to, you know, to, you know, talk to you about that. Absolutely, you know, my pleasure.
0: Sure. Excellent. So let's talk about individual modalities here. So, you know, you got you got in pretty good detail there about the individual conditions you're using rehabilitation for. So, what exactly are we doing? Now we talked about stem cell. Okay, so we're not going to cover that again. But, but tell me some All other right. examples here.
1: Well, you know, one of one of the biggest things that, that we do with, with dogs in the in the post operative period and, and most you know we'll get to we'll get to cats in a little bit, but most of these things when I'm talking about physical rehabilitation really um you know are, are really being done mainly in dogs in, in, mm-hmm. in a breed to all the way up to a large breed, uh you know, hundred and twenty pound, hundred and fifty pound Mastiffs, for example. So
0: right. sure. you know, one
1: of the one of the biggest uh, modalities that we use is is the underwater treadmill. And, and so this is this is a treadmill, um, just as the, as the name implies. That then uh, we're able to control the water level and, and raise and lower it to, to varying heights. And what the benefit of the underwater treadmill is that number one, the water is going to provide an increased resistance. So it, it, if you've ever been to the beach and mm-hmm. you know you're running through the shallow water, and right.
0: You can feel
1: you can feel the resistance. You know on sure. your on your. You've got your quadriceps, you know. You're just really trying to pump, and it, and it really takes a lot out of you. Um, sure it similar does, yeah. thing that occurs with the underwater treadmill. There's a lot of resistance, so having that resistance is actually, in a way, a sort of weight training. You know, it's sure. nice.
0: very low impact weight training. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, you know, it's, it's hard to ask a dog to to go to the gym and and you know and do squats <laughs> or do or some leg curls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to cooperate. So, sure. you know we have to come up with other alternative ways of, of building strength and muscle mass. And so the underwater treadmill is one of those. So it's number one, increased res- resistance. Also, okay. the liver provides a natural buoyancy. So it takes the weight off of a lot of joints. It takes the weight off
0: of, uh.
1: Uh, the knees, the spine, you know, joints that may be arthritic, for example. And, and so um, another application of, physical rehabilitation might be in a dog that the owners don't necessarily want to do surgery, you know, that they want to try conservative management with, with pain medication, uh, glucosamine, uh, joint supplements, Adequan injections, um, things like that. And so one of the options then is to try some physical rehabilitation to try some muscle building exercises, underwater treadmill, as an example, to, you know, take the weight off the joints and, also the water is warm so it has some uh, some circulatory effects that help improve circulation you know mm-hmm. m- you know reduce tissue swelling things like that um yeah. so it has it has sort of a multi um you know a, a multi-pronged approach to uh to helping patients
0: right very nice
1: um so that's one that's one of our biggest that's sort of one of our big uh, big areas we also can do passive range motion um massage uh, is another really good uh aspect uh, passive range of motion often will do that while the patients are in the hospital recovering from surgery uh mm-hmm. special back surgery you know and these, so these can you talk
0: about passive range of motion a little bit because I, I don't think a lot of people would really you know know exactly what that means if you can just explain it briefly
1: certainly so you know the, the one of the the largest or, or or most common applications would be say in in the down doxin that has just had had back surgery has just had um, you know, it, it's back-operated on because it's had a disc rupture and impact impacted spinal cord. And so these are dogs that are often down for days or weeks. And so while they're in the hospital recovering, what mm-hmm. we'll often have you know, the technicians do is do passive range of motion or PROM, as it as it can be abbreviated. Um, okay. And that is simply taking the, the rear limbs, most often the rear limbs, and right. basically moving it through a full range of motion, so basically flexing and extending the leg through mm-hmm. a higher range of motion that that page, that particular patient is comfortable with. Right. And so uh, it's it's really trying to simulate the the sort of normal activity um, of the muscles of the legs that this dog might normally be doing if it were walking. Okay. And so the and, idea and, the,
0: is, and basically the the person is going through all those ranges of motion, on behalf of the patient.
1: Exactly. And so they're not
0: really exerting much force. They're not really putting any stress on the joints. We're just we're just basically maintaining full range of motion.
1: Exactly. You are trying to maintain full range of motion. Also mm-hmm. trying to you know minimize the the loss of uh, of strength and muscle mass that can occur, in, mm-hmm. a, in a patient that is that is not you know non ambulatory and not able to walk. And this right. And it's something. We'll often have the owners do, you know, once the patient is discharged from the hospital, we'll, we'll often have the owners continue the passive range of motion exercises at home as part of, of a, a sort of uh, home home exercise program, if you will, um, that the owners okay. can, can do to help restore and, and maintain, um, you know, whatever function there may be.
0: Sure. And and massage. Let's talk about that a little bit because you know a lot of people don't think of therapeutic massage in you know the sense of using it on animals. I know and, you know a lot there's a lot of precedents for it for use in, in racehorses.
1: Um, right.
0: Lots and lots of precedents. So let, let's talk about it, the, the benefits of massage. Why 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 do our patients benefit from massage? Well,
1: one of one of the one of the biggest applications is is that massage can help actually improve circulation um, and and very often um with say post surgical cases, post operative cases, we we've traumatized the tissues by, by cutting, you know, muscle and skin and things like that to try to put a plate on, for example. And and so sure. uh, what you know, what'll often happen is that, you know, these patients will maybe get a little bit of, of tissue swelling because we've disrupted all the, the, the vasculature and then the blood vessels and things like that. And so and that often hap- that's quite often uh, what we see with knee surgeries in dogs that have right. had cruciate surgery will notice a day or two after surgery, well, their, their ankle starts to get a little puffy. Okay. Right. And that, that's, yeah. the, that's a normal thing that, you know, I'm sure you've seen as well. And, and so yeah. massage can be used to sort of help move, you know, get all those fluids moving and get everything kind of moving back up towards the heart. So the body can reabsorb all all of that swelling, all of that edema um
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, decrease uh, to basically help decrease the swelling. Also, Massage also it simply feels good. I mean, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever had a massage? You know, I can it vouch is. for that. <laughs> you know, it's, I, it's, I try to go
0: like once or twice a month. I I do triathlons as a hobby, and of course that can get painful on the muscles. And man, I feel like a million bucks when I go out come out of like a good deep tissue massage. So yes, it does feel good. I have to concur with our canine patients.
1: You know, so it, so the same thing. You know, can you know? Unfortunately, they they can't talk, so you know they can't actually yeah. say, hey, you know that, you know that's the spot. But
0: sure, you know, yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it 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 has to be helpful to them and make them, you know, feel better and 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 be more comfortable. So it mm-hmm. is definitely something that has um, you know, uh, uh, a of a very significant application in in our patients. You know, it yeah. so basically circulation helps improve the flow of the lymphatics. Just simply, you know, getting the tissues moving. You know, kind of keeping things loose and and you know, sort of uh, you know, pain free. Um, it keeps things warm, so it might help uh, sort of loosen up any any kinks, if you you know, if you will. I mean, I know that's not a very medical term, but I think that you know, I think it conveys the point. Um, yeah, you know, I think, think most
0: people kinks. can identify with that. You know, kinks is you know, there's that 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 tense area of muscle that's rubbed out and just just relaxes. Right. Um so so uh yeah, you know, so so far we've covered you know passive range of motion, we've covered some uh massage, we've covered um uh w- w- oh, water treadmill underwater treadmill of course, to me, that's that's just I love those things. I think they're fantastic. That's on my wish list for my own practice. I just don't have the room for it right now, but I think it's awesome. Um now, how do you feel about the therapy laser, the so called cold laser?
1: Um, I I, I have um a little bit of experience with, with the cold laser. Um, what is really sort of uh, kind of a hot thing right now in, uh, you know, in veterinary medicine, as far as laser goes, is actually the class four laser. Um, which right. Is, the
0: 4B it's called, the 4B laser. Right.
1: Yeah. And and that's one, you know, that, that's, you know, that's the one that seems to be the, the, I guess the hot commodity, if, if, mm-hmm. if you will, um, okay. right now. And that's the one that, uh, you know, companies are, um, are saying makes a difference and in and, and rehab practitioners make a difference. So I personally don't have any experience with it with that particular laser. Um the the previous generations of laser units, yes I've used those. Um and you know it seems like it helps patients. Um, right. but and you know, that that's not a um I guess that's not a uh, sort of a very sort of scientific um you know fit of evidence It's really based on clinical inspection and people so, hey, Ashok, you've got a
0: little—you've you've got a little quiet on me. Um I'm sorry.
1: Is that hopefully that's any, hopefully that's a little better?
0: Much better, much better. Thank you. I'm sorry. So, what were you saying? I just no. missed the last sentence.
1: Simply, what I was saying was uh, that uh, I guess well, I, you know my experience is limited to to the cold laser, and and you know what I've seen is is not very scientific. So yes, I've 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 seen what appears to be that patients do better. With the laser, um, but again, right. that's not a very scientific uh, sort of double blinded study to really, uh, you know, sure, But in talking with other practitioners, you know, they, they feel that the laser does help reduce um, lactic acid buildup. It helps reduce pain, helps reduce inflammation, uh, and, and overall seems to to keep pa- uh, pets um, fairly comfortable. Um, you know, as part of the, the rehabilitation process.
0: Okay. Um, you know, and
1: I mean, you mentioned laser. There, there are some other things that people may not be aware of that we do with uh, physical rehabilitation. One is basically sort of thermal therapies, basically uh, cold and heat, uh, and, and it's something that you know people for you know years will put cold or heat on their injuries, and they may not think of that as physical rehabilitation, but it is one of the things that we do use in. in Patients that are are recovering from surgery and that are undergoing rehabilitation will will might use cold to help decrease swelling, or heat okay. to help improve circulation and, and make things more mobile. So it, it, they they have a definite application. Um, you know, other things that we do uh, weight shifting exercises. So okay. that, that's something that you know you, you know I don't know if you're familiar with or if your listeners are familiar with, but uh, you know exactly as the name would imply weight shifting. Uh, can be done, you know, either front to back or side to side. And really and truly, it's exactly what the name implies, is shifting the dog's weight, you know, one direction to the other. So, you know, for example, if if a patient is is not bearing much weight on, say, the left rear leg, well, we'll try to, you know, kind of sort of gently shove that dog over, kind of onto that left rear leg, you know, right. kind of a side, side motion, and you know, then they'll they'll shift back. Well, we'll shift them again. They'll shift back. We'll shift them again, and mm-hmm. we can kind of do this back and forth multiple times, to, to try to help encourage weight bearing. And, and each time that they're doing that, they are having, the muscles are undergoing little, minor, minute micro contractions. So the right. muscle is the muscle is actually doing something. You know, the muscle. Right. The muscle. It may seem like a lot, but the muscle is doing something. So that. That that makes a big difference. Um, having dogs walk over uneven surfaces, uh, that really helps to develop dogs that may have some neurological issues and helps sort of regain their proprioceptive function, which is basically their balance, basically, right. to help regain some of that um, using rocker boards or balance boards, which are boards that are basically will will sort of rock back and forth, and, and that, again, using that to help... Uh, um, regain that sort of balanced function, uh, stairs, ramps, inclines, going up and down. Again, you know, just other exercises, figure eights, um, doing, doing side bends and, and circles. You know, these are all various exercises that we can do as part of the entire rehabilitation process to, uh, to, to assist these dogs to, you know, get function back and, and get them, you know, maybe using a leg better, using a limb better, for example.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Very, very very interesting And um, and, now you're familiar with Cavaletti poles
1: Yes Would that that, be along
0: the same lines of shifting weight And and sort of, you know um, Integrating the use of the front limbs with the back limbs And sort of, you know, adding to that process
1: Exactly, Uh, yeah yeah. Yeah. You're you're, you're very correct on that, Roger That Cavaletti, um, you can do a lot of different things with with Cavaletti And uh, one would be to sort of raise them up a little higher And actually have dogs do what are called crawling unders and okay. so the, you try to get the dog to go underneath the poles. That's count, as, and that might seem counterintuitive, but you want them to kind of sort of kind of bend their legs a little bit and, and sort of crawl okay. under. And what that is is that, that's essentially doing like a little mini squat. You know, okay. because they have to really kind of lower themselves. They're doing a little mini squat. They're having to go underneath the the poles, and so that's
0: kind of like doing the limbo. <laughs>
1: Exactly you know that that <laughs> works that work will select you know more and yeah. and help yeah. you know build up and then you know then the, the the more traditional approach to cavaletti and this is something that you know equine uh people will be familiar with as far as you know doing cavaletti is basically putting the poles on the ground and having the dogs walk over them uh and it simply will force a dog to to have to shift weight from you know the left to the right to the left to the right as they step over and and that's what that's what one. You know, as rehab practitioners, that's what we want to see are these dogs actually shifting their weight and alternating legs. You know, what we don't want to see is them skipping or, or cheating and, you know, maybe using their stronger leg, you know, two times in a row and then not using their weaker leg. You know, and that, that's what we try to yeah. avoid, and we try to retrain these, a lot of these dogs to, to use all of their limbs uh, as part of rehabilitation.
0: Uh, Very, very very interesting. Um, So uh, (laughs) let's talk about cats for a moment. As as we always say in the business, cats are not little dogs. Uh, They are different species altogether, and I think that would apply to rehabilitation. So my first question is, number one, does does rehabilitation apply to cats as well? And, And number two, are there some aspects that you would have to approach differently? And I think for most of our listeners, it would be hard for them to imagine their cat Walking in a water treadmill, half submerged in water. So, why don't yeah, we really, talk about cats for a moment and talk, kind of highlights the differences?
1: Well, you are, and you are, you know, you're very right on that. I mean, you know, the majority <laughs> of cats are not going to tolerate um, going going in the tub. You know, as simple yeah. as that. And so, you know, what we have to do with cats is, you know, are are a little bit different. And you know, and that's why early on I had I had said, you know, the phrase canine physical rehabilitation. That's what your owners are that's what your owners are really gonna see. That's what your owners are really gonna hear, you know, right. when when they go to the vet, when they when they're talking to other people, because really and truly, you know, for the most part, rehabilitation done on dogs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um right. it, yeah, it can be done on cats to a point. And and so again, the cat has to be very tolerant of of some of these things. So you know, number one, we're not gonna be able to do figure eights, you know, we're not gonna be able to do circles. <laughs> We're not Show them under
0: able those Cavaletti poles?
1: Exactly. Like, you know, th- those are things we're not going <laughs> to be able to do. What we can do yeah. is we can do hot and cold therapy. You know, okay. as, long, as long as a cat, the patient will tolerate it. We can also do passive range of motion as long as the cat will tolerate it. We can do massage yeah. um, as long as, again, as long as they will tolerate it. So, you know, yeah. you have to find what they can do, you know, what they're willing to tolerate, what, you know, what can be done and, mm-hmm. and attempt do those exercises um, or do those modalities to help them, uh, you know, maintain function. I mean, you know, for example, um, you know, cast. You know, if not if not using a leg, they can potentially develop, say, a contracture where the limb, you know, doesn't extend. You know, it loses its range of motion because the, the tissues and everything are, are, are basically tightening up. Well, minimizing That's that massive yeah. range of motion and, and, and massage can. You know, potentially help offset that and minimize that. So again, you know, it would have to be a cat that is very comfortable and is willing and in to, tolerate. You know, those you know having somebody's hands all over him
0: or her. Yeah. And then some are some are surprisingly tolerant. I, I've heard, for example, and and I'd like to know your take on this. I, I've heard some cats are not just amenable to massage, therapeutic massage, I actually enjoy it. <laughs> so
1: yeah, you know, yeah. I, I
0: mean, I, case by case basis.
1: Right. I mean and, and certainly, uh, you know, yes, they, they can learn to like these things and, and as as they get accustomed to it, you know, that that is so much better because it's gonna make our job as veterinarians and, and as as rehab practitioners and, and as surgeons and all those things, you know, you know, makes that job easier that okay, yeah, mm-hmm. here's a cat that actually, you know, likes to you know, to play and be handled and you know, and maybe it's gonna, you know, just make it easier on everybody to, to work with this particular cat. So yeah, I mean, certain cats will, will enjoy it. And, you know, certain cats will learn, to appreciate it. But again, you know, how How, that's going to go go for your
0: jugular. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Don't, yeah. You don't know how that's going to go initially.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, cats are like snowflakes. There's no two alike. So, you know, all you can do is try, I guess. And, And if it, if they're, if they're for it, Hey, let's do it and do as much as they'll tolerate. And, if not, well, there is your answer. We'll just hope the best, you know, outcome turns out. I guess, <laughs> you know, with the limitation that we have. Um, well, we're, we're we're getting a little short on time here. I just wanted to, uh, you know, can you foresee any new techniques or advances in current rehabilitation that, you know, may be in the future here? Any anything you'd like to shed light on? Yeah,
1: you know, I, I think I think where we're going to go in the future with with rehabilitation is is a greater understanding of. The various treatment modalities, and then how they apply to various conditions, and I think that's really going to be sort of the the next step in in physical canine physical rehabilitation. That you know we'll we'll see you know our our understanding is going to get better and better. We'll 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 realize that say that you know maybe you know that you know modality uh, X works better for you know condition Y, for, you know mm-hmm. versus you know, Z working, you know, better for A, for example. And so I think that's really going to be the, the next uh, area that through various clinical studies, looking at, at patients that are undergoing current uh, rehabilitation, we're going to just see um, our knowledge is going to just expand more and more,
0: mm-hmm. you know, as
1: we see the results of rehabilitation on these patients. So I, I think that's really going to be the, the next step. In, okay, yeah, you know, I mean,
0: it's relatively new on the scene. I mean, I really just started hearing about it just a couple of years ago, and it seems to have just exploded. So with all this yeah. new, probably become a lot of new innovation and information.
1: Right. You know, it, it, it is still sort of, uh, you know, relatively new. Um, there are a couple of uh, uh, organizations that have certification courses for, um, you know, canine uh, rehabilitation, um, and it's it's something that is, you know, like you said, kind of new on the scene, but, you know, more and more people are doing it, more and more owners are learning about it, and more and more owners, you know, want rehabilitation, you know, for their pet because they they realize the parallels, they realize the benefits, just, you know, as if they were a person and undergoing physical therapy, they, they can see the similarities and understand that, yeah, you know, this is something that has some real tangible benefit, you know, especially in conjunction with, surgeries and, and, you know, say things for the knee and, and you know, the more mm-hmm. traditional uh, methods of, uh, you know, helping dogs such as pain management and things like
0: that. Wow, that's fascinating. Hey, listen, I thank you very much for your time this evening. That was a great talk. You were uh, quite illuminating, um, and you definitely got a voice for radio, my friend. Dr. Ashok Padlabadan, uh, surgery resident at the Animal Emergency and Critical Care Center of Brevard County. I thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed it.
1: You no know, my pleasure. I'm I'm glad, I'm glad you're able to have me on
0: tonight. All righty. You have a great evening, sir. Thank you. All righty. Uh ladies and gentlemen, that was that was just fantastic. And and this is really a field that, that um as veterinarians we're very excited about. And not only is it something that is bona fide, we're finding scientifically helping our pets, um, we're also, you know, able to decrease drug doses and um rely less on the use of anti inflammatories for various chronic conditions and and where this goes from here, it's like it, it almost feels like the sky is the limit. And I'm very excited about that. That said, I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines. Our uh, number is toll-free, 1-877-878-1435. Feel free to give me a call if you'd like to comment on anything you heard tonight or if you have a question about anything else. I would love to hear from you. So uh, 1-877-878-1435, now that we have our... Uh, our number out there. Feel free to give me a call. I'm going to move on to our featured story this evening, ladies and gentlemen, and this is about the dog who saved the baby from the forest. This is just nothing short of remarkable. Um, We, uh, there was a dog that was abandoned in the forest, uh, south of the capital of Nairobi, Kenya. Okay. She, she, she took the infant that was wrapped in a dirty black cloth and carried it across a busy road. And, through a barbed wire fence and placed it close to her own puppy. Uh, a witness by the name of uh, Stephen Foya said, uh, quote, I heard the sound of a baby crying. When I looked closely, I saw a dog carrying a baby as it crossed the road. Uh, the owner of the heroic dog, Mary, I hope I pronounced this correctly, Adiambo, uh, says her dog lay next to the baby and cared for it until it was spotted by human rescuers. Um, and when Ms. Adiambo washed the baby whose umbilical cord was still attached and covered with maggots. Um, After cleaning the baby, Mary Adiambo then rushed it to the hospital. Now, at the hospital, the 7.3-pound newborn child was named Angel. And the doctors confirmed the newborn baby girl had been out in the open, likely for at least two days before being abandoned. Two days, a newborn child. Um, And Dr. Jonathan Micheney, who was the attending physician, said, quote, an infant of such a tender age having spent two nights in the cold is likely to develop respiratory infections, and we have put her on a treatment to prevent any bacterial or fungal infection. So these kinds of incidents, and I didn't know this until, you know, the story broke, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm really tied into the animal news stories uh, as they break, and, and of course, I'm, they're going to get my attention, but this part of it I did not know, that these kinds of incidents are actually quite common in East African countries like Kenya where over 60 56% of the population, ready for this, lives on less than $1 a day. One U.S. dollar per day is all that they have. Um, and, and that's a tragedy, and of course, that's a whole other topic, not really the scope of this show, but the tragedy is that these people can barely afford to feed themselves and whatever children they may have uh, already and where they're just leaving these babies out in the cold to die. Uh, we hear this phenomenon up in you know, the, the Alaskan territories, uh, the Inuit tribes that are very poor, up in those areas where they just leave newborn babies out on the ice and 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 they die, they you know freeze to death and die. It, it's just horrible to think of. I have a newborn child. She's seven weeks old. Or I'm sorry, she's eight weeks old. Going to be nine weeks actually this Thursday. And I look at her and I just the thought of the helpless little baby out there uh, is just just devastating for me to even even consider the reality that. Yet it's happening all the time in places like Kenya. Um, so yes, the story is quite disturbing, but it is evidence once again of how dogs are truly man's best friend. Uh, so, you know, uh, definitely a disturbing story, but a happy ending to that one. The baby is making a full recovery, and there are offers for adoption coming in from all over the world. So it looks like she's going to end up with a very good home for uh, the you know her trouble, the devastating circumstances that, that uh, led to her adoption. And um, I, I'm glad to know that, you know, ultimately we're going to have a happy ending, and there was a, a wonderful little doggy right there in the middle of all of it. Um, Well, that's our show for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. I don't see anyone on the queue, uh, any callers remaining, as I always do. I'm going to give you – we have four minutes remaining technically in the program, so I'm just going to give another couple of seconds here if anybody would like to call. Going once, going twice, any callers this evening? You guys are shy. You love to listen, but you don't call too often. That's okay, though. I'm glad to have your time. I'm very happy to have you listening I appreciate uh, your your uh, time in joining us this evening. And uh, just remember, we do open up the phone lines at the end of each interview, and, and we do like to give you time to, to banter with us and, and talk back and forth. It's been a while since we've had a caller. So uh, all my listeners out there, please don't be shy. Give me a call next time. I uh, will be signing off for this evening, and I will be joining you next week. A very cool show. Um, it is called Helping the Helpless, and I will be having Anne Marie Burgess of the Italian Greyhound Club of America. This is quite a uh, a young lady that I will be talking to next week she 's going to give us a lot of insight into the world of animal rescue, specifically the breed of the Italian greyhound it is uh just a remarkable topic i 'm very excited about it, and that will be next week 's show. So have a good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and I will talk to you next
1: week